Creating business isn't about doing hashtag all the things. It's about doing the right thing at the right time to create systems for success. Welcome to the Master the Sales Game podcast. Each week, I'll be sharing specific strategies, tactics, and practical know-how from myself and other successful business owners, helping you grow and scale your business. I'm your host, Susan McVeigh, helping you master the sales game and sell with more ease without the sleaze. I'm excited to have you here. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now, let's get started. Welcome back for another episode. Today, we're talking all about how to identify emerging opportunities for your business. Now, this is actually going to cover quite a lot of material. So be ready, (laughs) grab your notebook, grab your pens, and let's dive in. Now, before we actually get into the nitty gritty details of how to do this, first, I want to set the stage and lay the foundation so that we're talking about the same thing. So first, let's talk about what is an emerging opportunity, okay? And oftentimes, so I come from a finance background, the finance space, and we typically have heard emerging markets probably more often than you've heard emerging opportunities. You may have heard the term emergent opportunity. And so in the case of this particular episode, I'm going to kind of be using those terms interchangeably a little bit. Okay. So what I want you to think about is an emerging opportunity is something that previously wasn't there before. It was unknown. Um, it, it was unlikely to occur. Uh, you may have thought of this more like a black swan event. It's typically um, it's typically an opportunity of being like at the right place at the right time sort of idea. And so I'm going to give you some examples of things that we have recently been exposed to as a result of something that's happened globally, externally, which is the pandemic, which is, you know, something that's impacted pretty much every single business around the globe, regardless of what industry that you're in. And it's created a lot of emerging opportunities that you can take advantage of, regardless of whether or not this is something that your business actually focuses on today. So that being said, we have the definition. Let's dive into uh, how do you identify the right ones for your business? Okay. Because again, not all emerging opportunities are something that you need to jump on. There's something to be said for focus. There's something to be said for consistency. Um, We have talked a lot about that on previous episodes, so I'm not going to hash that to death. However, I want you to know that this is not the time to get FOMO or fear of missing out. This is not the time to have squirrel syndrome where you're uh, putting your sights on yet another busy thing that actually is going to serve as a distraction. This is for you if you have thought, hmm, I actually am trying to figure out how to make the most use out of something that has happened into my market. How do I take advantage of an emerging opportunity that I can see right in front of me that previously wasn't there before, and I am poised to take advantage of it, but I just simply don't know how or why or what. This is going to be the episode that will help you to identify, number one, what are some emerging opportunities that are impacting the marketplace at large, like for most of us as consumers and as business owners? And then second, what do you do once you actually have an emerging opportunity in front of you in order for you to see, is this something that I can leverage 
in my business? Is this going to be a complimentary or an add-on service or product that will allow me to serve people at a deeper, better capacity than what I currently am able to right now? So with that being said, let's talk a little bit more about how do you identify the right ones for your business? So remember that an emerging opportunity or an emergent opportunity is one that wasn't there before, right? So it's an untapped pool of opportunity. It's an untapped reservoir. It's like finding a pristine um, source of water, right? Like maybe you've been uh, wandering for days and days and you're super thirsty and there hasn't been access to clean drinking water. And all of a sudden you stumble upon an oasis and it is pristine, it's untouched, and it is there for the taking. That is sometimes how we feel about these emerging opportunities uh, in terms of the untapped potential that they have. So know that because it is untapped, because it is um, unknown in some ways, emerging markets and emerging opportunities are higher risk, okay? They're higher risk. They tend to be for early adopters. They're usually... um, could be using new technology or a lack thereof. So I'll give you an example of one that has kind of, it's been around for a while, but for whatever reason right now, it seems to be the perfect storm around things that people are trying to do in a different capacity. And that's uh, cryptocurrency, okay? So cryptocurrency and the deregulation of financial instruments like CryptoCoin and the different types of DeFi that are attached to that kind of marketplace is a perfect example of people who are trying to look for other ways to be able to leverage what they have access to. And it has kind of leveled the playing field in terms of financial instruments for a vast majority of individuals that previously weren't involved in finance. Now, higher risk, higher unknowns, it is deregulated. So decentralized means deregulated in this particular situation. And as a result, there's a lot of early adopters that are in that market. The mass majority is still sitting on the sidelines. Now, if you've been following crypto for any point in time, you know that Bitcoin, as an example, has been around for over a decade, right? Some of these smaller coins and the corresponding um, non-fungible tokens or NFTs is developing as an adjunct to some of these things that are working in the crypto space and in the digital currency space, okay? So that would be an example. Higher risk, less known factors, uh, there's less regulations, there's less standards. And so as a result, there's not as many boundaries around some of the things that are more well-known. So that's part of the risk versus return of dabbling in an emerging opportunity. So Here are two things that I want you to think about as you're considering emerging opportunities for your business, okay, and identifying the right ones for you. Number one is to identify them early on, meaning that uh, the more risk you take, the more you get rewarded. However, part of this is the first to market, the earlier you are in the adoption curve, the easier it is for you to receive gains without having to to risk a lot more extra. Does that make sense? So oftentimes what ends up happening is that with the adoption curve for any anything really, usually we think of it more and more with technology because that's the world that we're in. But typically what ends up happening is that the early adopters get first crack at it. 
right? They have to deal with all the, the, the bugs and the kinks and the, you know, things just going haywire. But they love being part of that process because it allows them to shape the narrative and shape the future of what is going to come for other people that are behind them, the majority and the late laggards, right? So when we think about the adoption curve in general, the early adopters, the first to market, often get a leading market share because they have gained trust and loyalty and authority in the marketplace, even if it's not that great, okay? So what I want you to think about is um, BlackBerry would be a great example. BlackBerry, way back in the day, BlackBerry was one of the leading edge innovators for their technology that they were putting together with, uh, with phones in particular, right? And then as they started to innovate less, they couldn't keep up with the adoption curve of more and more innovation. Now, more innovation isn't always the best thing, but in this particular situation, they weren't able to keep up with their market demands. And that's why they fizzled out. It, it wasn't because they didn't have a great product. They actually did have a great product. It just failed to meet the needs of the market as innovation kept demanding more innovation, more things that they wanted to have access to. But BlackBerry was actually first to market. And it's one of the reasons why they kept a market share for such a long period of time, even as their products became subpar and sub-superior. Does this make sense? So if you can identify your emerging opportunities early on, Yes, it means higher risk because you may have to build the infrastructure. You may have to build the product from scratch. There may be not a lot of support for you. There may not be people who even understand what the heck you're trying to talk about. But I'm going to tell you that if you get it at the right time, at the right place, the right opportunity will pop like a bubble out of the market. And all of a sudden, everybody else is going to want to have access to it. So I'll give you another example of something that is similar to this. So I am in Canada, and uh, just a little while ago, um, marijuana became legalized in Canada. And there were a lot of companies that were waiting and waiting and waiting for this to happen. And they actually were early adopters. And so they realized early on as the rumblings were going through, because this didn't happen overnight, the legislation and the laws weren't just suddenly written up overnight. This had been conversations over years and, and years and years, right? But there were a few select individuals that decided, I want to be one of the first. I want to be one of the first to market because there is a huge opportunity here. And in fact, I'm, I'm reading a story on one, which was one of the very, very first in the marketplace for Canada, and they ended up being a billion-dollar startup. They had originally invested... $35,000 that quickly climbed as they got investors, um, you know, prepared to, to help support the, the company and the project. And they were able to get um, over a million dollars just privately. And from there, they quickly grew and scaled because there was a, an emerging opportunity here in Canada around this particular need in the market and a desire from the, the public, the consumer that was even just curious about what this would mean to their DDD life. And all of a sudden they became, and it seems like all of a sudden, but really there's a lot of work and effort behind the scenes of, of the entire process, but they took that small amount of money that they originally started with their idea right, to seed that idea of $35,000, which grew into a million dollar investment idea 
from other people saying, yes, I believe in your vision. I want to be part of this emerging opportunity to now at the, at the heyday, being a company, a public company valued at over $1 billion. They were one of the first to market. So can you be early on in the marketplace? Often, again, you can have a little bit of a subpar product or service. You can't have it subpar for too long, though, because the market demands will dictate that you need to keep up with what it is that your consumers want to see from you. But if you're early enough in the adoption curve and in the innovation process, you can be part of that with your clients, with your paying customers and with your audience in order to keep staying ahead of the adoption curve so that you can introduce more and more and more people into your emerging opportunity, which will then quickly become a mass market opportunity as opposed to emerging. Okay. The second piece that I want you to think is don't get greedy. Now, too often what ends up happening is that when we're in an emerging opportunity, we throw everything in and then the kitchen sink. You need to hedge your downside risk. So what the heck does this mean? Well, the best investors, the best business people know that in order to be able to make as much as possible, what you want to do is get quick wins along the way and you want to minimize your risk, your downside risk as you go. This means that if you feel like, oh my gosh, this is a losing battle, right? This is a losing battle. And it could be anything. It could be a campaign. It could be an individual relationship. It could be anything that you're thinking about in the context of your emerging opportunity. That sitting on it for too long will mean wasted time and effort. Because remember, an emerging opportunity doesn't stay emerging for too long. Because as more and more people jump on the bandwagon and more and more people enter the marketplace, it now becomes a mass market opportunity as opposed to an emerging market opportunity. However, it doesn't happen overnight. So you don't have to be worried or fearful that, oh my gosh, I have to do everything like immediately. And that if it doesn't work the first time out, that I have to check it. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you know in your gut, if there is something that shows you evidence that what you're trying to do is you're on a sliding and slippery slope going downwards, that the sooner you cut your losses, the sooner that you hedge your bets, the sooner that you remove the downside risk, the faster you can keep moving and locking in the upside potential. And too often what ends up happening is that we let our personal situation, feelings, biases get in the way. And then we no longer actually think about what makes the most sense for the business, what makes the most sense for the opportunity that we're trying to evaluate and why we actually got into it. So again, what I want you to think about is what were some of the preconceived notions? Like what were your assumptions, your pre-assumptions, your projections, and are you on track? Because if you already said before you started the opportunity that, hey, I'm only willing to invest X amount, right? So as an example, maybe it's you're in a brand new startup, you are, uh, you know, you're backing yourself in your business, And you decided that if I can't make it work with a, you know, maybe it's a $5,000 or $10,000 investment, that I have to be able to see some kind of return. And it doesn't have to be huge, but maybe it's just something to show that you're on the right path, right? So you're going to need to be able to to cap yourself and say, okay, if I want to make an investment and somebody's asking me to make an investment and it goes well above the amount that I wanted to initially spend, that is outside of the boundary. That presents too much risk to me because I already predetermined, here's what I'm willing to do. 
And that was before I allowed my emotions, my personal circumstances or personal relationships to come into the fray. It's just like I teach my clients around money. If you don't assign money a place to go, and this is for everything in life, if you don't give things an assignment, it's very easy for somebody else to take over. And if you know that I already have an assignment for what I have done with my time, with my effort, with my resources, and yes, with my money, it makes it a lot easier and simpler for you to make decisions that are going to be aligned to how to maximize the potential of your emerging opportunity. This means that, yes, sometimes you're going to have to pull on your big girl or big guy pants and roll up your sleeves and get scrappy so that you can figure out a way to make it work. But I guarantee you that where there is a will, there is a way. You just haven't given yourself the opportunity to really think creatively about how you could do something and you've gotten stuck into tunnel vision. Okay, so oftentimes... This is driven by the need for more. This is driven by the need for greed. This is driven by the need of looking at the upside potential without considering, but what are you risking in order to get that gain? What is the likelihood that you will have a 10 to 1 return versus a 10 to 1 downturn, right? Because I know from my time in finance and investing that the statistics and the law of probability is that if you are taking just as much risk to the upside, there is just as much risk for you on the downside. So how do we hedge that bet to the downside so that we can cap your losses as quickly as possible? That's what I want you to think about. Okay, so I promise you that I would give you a few examples of emerging opportunities that have come up as a result of the recent pandemic. And I mean, it's not going away anytime soon, right? There's a whole new normal around some of the things that have happened over the last gosh, 18 months, right? So let's go through and I'll give you some examples of industries, businesses, niches that have blown up that hadn't existed before or not to the same degree. And some of these are still emerging opportunities because what I want you to think is how many people are in that marketplace? How many people are actually serving the the majority of people? I mean, there are 7 billion people around the planet that are actually being faced with some of the uncertainty that has come about from these industries and then the new norms that we're all currently still working through. So medical equipment, masks, hand sanitizers. Yes, we had masks and hand sanitizers before, but this was not commonplace. And to be honest, the handmade masks has become a booming cottage industry. Now, I remember when this all started, And there were people who were shaming mostly old ladies um, because it was mostly women and crafters who had taken spare fabric, uh, repurposing clothing items and things like that in order to sew up masks for people who needed them because it was so darn hard to get your hands on medical equipment, on masks, because there was a shortage everywhere. And with the global supply chain being so interconnected and not being able to get resources in and out of China in particular, it made things very, very challenging. And so I remember seeing some stories where people were shaming them for not giving them away. And yet here we are almost two years later, and there is a whole booming market that is 100% built on masks, right? Personalized masks, um, logoed masks, uh, different types of uh, face coverings um, to be able to help people who want to use that in order to be able to move and navigate their new normal. 
So that is a whole marketplace that has not existed. Anything related to virtual stuff. Now, I have been in the virtual space since 2015, because when I had my breakthrough to break down a breakthrough, if you don't know that story, go back and listen to my very first podcast. We'll link it up in the show notes for you below. Um, I had to recreate my own new normal and I really couldn't leave the house because I was dealing with panic attacks, uh, anxiety, depression, all kinds of mental health illnesses on top of physical illness. So now with the world having been shut down and again, depending on where you are listening, I know that you may also be right now in a shutdown. You may not be able to leave your house and do it with the same level of freedom or luxury that you had done previously. So you need to have access to things that are important to you, but in a different way. A lot of it is going to be virtually. So anything related to virtual support. So this can be uh, in the form of virtual recreation, virtual entertainment, um, art classes, like you name it. Anything hobby-esque that is virtual has, again, been booming. Now, this is great news if you are a more traditional business that is brick and mortar that has been able to flip to virtual because more than likely, aside from a small blip um, and you just navigating this new normal, uh, as well as for your your customers and clients, by and large, a lot of the, the ways that you interact with people have probably not had a huge impact. Definitely, it's been a shift and a pivot and a change, but hopefully one that allows you to do more of what you love as opposed to less. Okay. When we think about some of the things that have also emerged, people are spending more time, more time at home. People are not having to work in a formal office. So gone are the days where you had a need for maybe formal work attire, right? So being able to resell a lot of these outfits, a lot of these clothing items. So consignments have gone up, um, the sleepwear and loungewear industry, like making casual and comfy, beautiful clothing, luxury style, comfy clothing, it has gone up through the roof. And I think it will continue to go through the roof because individuals want to look nice and be comfortable and not feel like a slob. So on the flip side of that, then we also have a lot of individuals that are from home and doing more workouts. So fitness equipment, fitness classes, fitness wear has also really started to boom. Now, again, some of these industries are not 100% emerging, meaning they weren't there before, just means that they have increased. And I'm going to tell you that I've done an episode on Peloton. This was way before, um, was it during the pandemic? I can't remember, but we'll link it up in the show notes for you below. What I have noticed is that there are far more businesses exercise equipment businesses that are looking at that model and incorporating that with uh, memberships or classes or some way to allow people to feel connected through their equipment and to improve their health the same way that Peloton has created a movement and a community around their equipment and people who are wanting to improve their health. So right now, what I think is going to continue to happen is that If you are in a business that will allow individuals to do more of what they love from the safety, the security, and the comfort of their own home, that is going to continue to boom. When you are looking for ways to improve the convenience and the comfort of how people can live their day-to-day life, again, 
I think that's going to continue to increase. When you think about entertainment and how individuals can continue to have access to different ways to entertain themselves, if you're in the gaming industry, I believe that there's going to be even more money poured into that particular industry in a bigger, different way than maybe we've thought of before. Because maybe in the past, you've thought of it as more um, geared towards a specific demographic, a specific age group. And I think, I think the statistics in the next couple of years are going to surprise you. Anything that is related to home decor, home improvement, because again, I don't know about you, but it's awful hard to get stuff for inside your home and, and having just passed, you know, a warmer, more outdoorsy type of season outside of your home. And as we hunker down now, again, for yet another kind of winter season, winter is coming, we may see some different changes happening, but again, focusing on the home, on the decor of our home, on our ability to increase the comfort of our homes and home improvement. So I just want you to know that when you think about how we can continue to focus on supporting individuals, because you and I, we are change makers, we are problem solvers, we are solution givers. And when you think about all the problems that are still left in the world, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, because we are problem solvers, that is not going to go away anytime soon. And in fact, the current situation has created some very unique types of problems that maybe you are designed to solve. That could be your emerging opportunity. So I hope that what you've learned and gleaned from this episode just gives you some food for thought for how it is that you could take advantage of some of the emerging opportunities that might be showing up for you, how you can incorporate the, the strategies or the thought, the thought process in evaluating what is coming up for you and how you can incorporate it with your current business practices or business lines so that you can maximize your time and your effort and your money as opposed to divesting, diverting, diluting, and spreading yourself too thin. That's something that I simply do not want to see because more than ever, your focus, your time, your attention needs to be focused. It needs to be directed and it needs to be helpful to those people that need it the most. And I think there's tons of emerging opportunities. The time is now. And if there's something that has been calling to you, if there's something that you had your eye on, if you just feel like, oh my gosh, it's now or never, friend, it might be the time. And I just want to encourage you and to be that cheerleader in your back pocket to say, you can do this. If you have been listening to this and going, yes, yes, yes. Like these are all things that you have noticed that you've been paying attention to. And maybe you've just had that nagging doubt or that fear inside of you saying, oh, I don't think it's going to work. I'm going to tell you that again, if you can be the first out, and even if you're not the first, if you are early enough. So here's what I want to share with you, because I was talking to my husband the other day. And I said, you know, even though crypto has been around for a long time, even though some of these other markets that are really just booming have been around for a long time, it really hasn't caught the marketplace's attention in a big way yet. We're still in the early, early stages. So if you're trying to open up an online business, just know you're still in the early stages. If you're trying to create a digital course, you are in the early stages. If you are trying to help people in any capacity that might still feel like, well, everybody has done it. Is that really true? Or does it just feel like that because you have been immersed in it 
And that's all that you have been surrounded with. But if you were to go out and ask your friends and your family, they wouldn't know anything about what you're trying to talk about. If that's a yes, chances are you're still on the early adoption side of an emerging market or an emerging opportunity. And I want you to consider maybe it's popped into your mind, into your heart, into your spirit, like deep down in your, your, your stomach, right? Like in your gut, in your, your deepest of deepest knowings that it's meant for you. And it's meant maybe for right now. And so I just want to encourage you. I want you to think about some of the opportunities that, you know, have already occurred and will continue to occur and just brainstorm and allow yourself to really just dream and think about the possibilities that might be yours for the taking. So if this episode was helpful for you, please feel free to share and tag on social media at Susan McVeigh. I would love to hear about an opportunity that you're trying to consider. Um, And again, if it's super hush hush, you don't need to give me all the details, but just let me know that I have an idea and just tag me because I would love to be able to give you a high five and support you along the ride. Thanks so much for joining me. And if you need more help and support in putting your plan and your vision for your opportunity to practice, come and join us inside of Sales Mastery Society. And you can find more details below in the show notes or at salesmasterysociety.com. Thanks so much. And we will see you again on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to let me know what you think by leaving a review so I know how best to serve you. If you're enjoying this show, don't forget to share and hit subscribe so you know when the next show is up. See you next time.